Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Speculate. We are going to do a one-shot playing the world-building game Grasping Nettles, which is a game by Adam Bell, edited and illustrated by Sasha Lee. Today, I am joined by two of the strange friends, Valerie and Iori. Um, I'm going to invite them to briefly introduce themselves, then I'll remind you who I am, and we will get started. So, uh, Valerie, hello! Hello, hello, it is I, Valerie Valdez, she, her pronouns, I'm the author of the Chilling Effect trilogy, the space fantasy novel Where Peace is Lost, and the most recent Magic the Gathering set story. Very exciting. Hello, Iori! Happy time zone! Iori Kusano, they, them pronouns. The FCC obligates me to remind everyone that I am a wizard of the coast. None of my they opinions represent the opinion of the company, etc., etc. Do not ask me questions about things I do not know any of the products you want to know about. And I am Mike. I publish as Michael R. Underwood. They or he pronouns for me. I'm one of the co-hosts of Speculate, along with doing work in game design and various other things, because it takes many hats to get by in this world, as both of my friends here know. I had had my eye on grasping nettles for a little while because I find world building games really interesting. And I'm hoping at some point in the future to do like a lead in where we play a few games that kind of set the table for a setting and like a vibe and then do a longer thing. And this is a little bit inspired by what Friends of the Table has done with their road to kind of pre-seasons for Partisan and things like that. But with Grasping Nettles, we are going to have a game board that if you're watching live, you can see this circle here with the little icons and things being labeled. If you are listening or following without watching, we have a circle with an outer kind of ring and an inner ring. And there are spaces along that ring and the kind of divisions don't all line up. So it's a little bit you can jump from one to another. And every space has a little image and a description of the type of thing that you do there. And this game board will kind of give us the prompts that we're going to be using as we explore and develop a setting. So I'm going to read the playing the game section, and then we've picked a uh, one of the quick nettles where people have kind of created a setup, and then we're going to take that setup, walk through it, and then start to introduce some changes. In Grasping Nettles, at the center of a game of Grasping Nettles lies a community, the game says. The size of that community varies from game to game, but the four truths on the next page make up the core fabric of play. We're going to take turns dictating various things about the world. On your turn, you move one of the three faction pieces around the game board, which is called the wheel. Then you perform the game action that you land on. Actions include defining factions, describing locations, discovering issues, creating characters, starting projects, catching glimpses of other communities, and framing scenes. After a few turns, we will kind of move forward through time to explore the next generation that inherits the community. And by the end of the game, we'll have a whole history of a world brimming with factions, characters both living and dead, and cool locations where everything has happened. Ours might be a little bit different than this because of the quick nettle that we, nettles scenario that we picked, but who knows? We haven't figured it out yet. As you take actions, you'll record a summary of the information as you create the information you create on different note cards, and those are just going to be little text notes in Roll20 over here for folks following with video. As the game goes on, 
um, more and more of the table space will be taken up by note cards. At some point, we may run out of space to do text things, at which point I will have to improvise. Group cards based on how they relate to each other, so we'll try to do a little bit of relationship mapping. And when instructed to mark a note card as complete, put an X on its bottom left corner, or maybe I will put it at the top. The four rules, or the four truths, are 1. The community is not a monolith. Different factions influence it, each with their own goals, dreams, and visions for the future. 2. The community will face issues big and small. Clean solutions do not exist. 3. In the community live notable people about whom stories will be told, and just as many working toward great things without that level of recognition. And 4. The community lasts longer than any individual person. Their legacies may linger, but generations move on. So and when we do starting the game, there's kind of a few steps, breakdowns. I've done a lot of that setup. We have kind of um, lines and veils that are like strange friend standards that we use kind of when we've played other things. So I think we're just going to attend to those. But we will also, you know, be able to use the X card or just chat in the private Zoom that we have if we want to pause, rewind, knock something out or anything like that. Because we're doing a quick nettle, I'm just going to scroll forward to the section where we do the setup for that. Da -da -da -dum. We're going to take turns reading aloud all of the different elements of the backdrop. Start with the setting overview and make sure everyone has a shared understanding. Then go through the factions, locations, etc. in order. As you read each one, write the name on a note card and add it to your play space following the normal note card guidelines. Once we've read all of the details of the backdrop, we're going to put all three faction pieces on the on the wheel on the generation space and then do the generation moves forward action by advancing the generation you'll have a chance to address everything provided and make the world your own start taking turns and playing the game as normal from there on out so we're doing down on the farm which is a scenario created by adam bell and if you are reading if you're following along in the the grasping nettles book that's page 25 so does somebody want to read the italic text on the left, which is like kind of the flavor setup? Sure. The year is 2008. I'm still in high school, but I am legally able to work. My older brother helps me get a job where he works when home between semesters. I start washing dishes at Unit 77 of a farm-themed regional corporate chain restaurant. The restaurant LARPs as a local diner where the food gets delivered right from the farm, but the scrambled eggs come in milk cartons. The mashed potatoes come pre-made in bags, and the unseasoned chicken breast is cooked while frozen. The biscuits are pretty good. All right, so this does a little bit of our setup. So one of the factions is the front of the house. The waitstaff and hosts form a thin but appreciated barrier between the back of the house and the customers. That does mean that they get the brunt uh, end of all of the ire one group has about the other. So that's where... Back of house complains about customers, customers are complaining about the food, and front of house is stuck in the middle. The next faction is Night Shift. Valerie, are you okay to read that one? Sure thing. Night Shift. At first glance, the back of the house seems divided between dishwashers, line cooks, and prep cooks. But greater divisions are found between those who open the store and those who close it. The Night Shift is rowdier, younger, and with much less tenure. Okay. So as we go through these, I'm just adding text notes so that we have these here. I'm trying to make this so that 
it's a little bit more legible, but unfortunately we are working with Roll20, which is not always the easiest to work with. So I'm just going to keep on making text notes here. Okay, and then Yori, can you read Day Shift? The cooks and dishwashers on Day Shift have put in the time and earned their spot in the earlier shift, and they know it. Sometimes they'll even leave the place a mess for the hell of it. Okay, so we've got three factions so far. I think we get one more. But first we have a season, Sunday brunch rush. Elderly suburbanites converge upon the restaurant after church every Sunday. It's the busiest time of the week every week. Night shift meets day shift on the line before noon, slinging eggs and bacon and all other standard American breakfast fare. So I'm going to add this as season, Sunday brunch, rush. And then next is our last faction, management. If you're good to read that one, Valerie. Yep. The Sunday brunch rush is the only season all four managers are in the building at once. Their managerial styles may clash, but they will find time to sit at a table to, quote, discuss the coming week, while the after brunch skeleton crew fixes the kitchen back up. Okay. So given that this is a strange friends activity, I would place the chances of some kind of uh, unionization action at about 30% base. I mean, 50, 80. I'm like, ethical goal given that it's us, yeah, I think 30% is really, really low. We've got location, the dumpsters, three large dumpsters, two for trash and one for cardboard. A smelly, festering bin stands solemnly amidst them, waiting for its daily deposits of spent cooking oil. Yep, that sounds like working in a restaurant. Y'all had a separate bin for oil? Wait, y'all threw oil out? I'm not going to answer that on the grounds that it may incriminate my former employers. I can only speak to the movie. Statute of limitations, baby. (laughs) I will tell y'all straight up that I have worked places where you don't want to know how old that oil was. Um, in the movie theater, the kettle was cleaned out every night with a very special kettle cleaner, which was an abrasive that got poured in with water. And you would turn the kettle on so it would boil this abrasive chemical water slurry. And then we would fill a garbage can with ice and dump the boiling slurry <laughs> into the plastic garbage can full of ice. If you didn't and put it didn't in shatter? Ice, well, it was, uh, it was, I guess not that kind of plastic. It was a more sturdy, I don't don't know. Certainly more than one plastic garbage can was melted during this process by someone who did not put enough ice in. So, event. (laughs) Regional management. Nobody's sure how long he's here for, but it sure does spoil the fun. All right. And then we have Project Bus Your Own Tables. The dish tank workers of the night shift are tired of having to do uh, do double as busboys and are outlining new protocols to get the front of house to bring all the dishes to the back of a house and stack them in a nice orderly manner. Um, and then we've got three left. So, uh, Yori, do you want to read JD? Character, JD. Management hates him, but can't deny that he does good work. He has managed to trick them into training him as a server, but they continue to only schedule him for night shift as a line cook. Through crafty shift swapping, he appears to be a full-time waiter now. Hmm. Um, we've got the 
walk-in freezer, a location located in the walk-in inside the walk-in cooler, it's a great place to cool off. Plus, nobody can hear you scream at the top of your lungs or see you eat the food you're stealing. I feel directly called out right now. <laughs> I feel like screaming in the walk-in freezer is um, a pretty widely discussed element of working food service. Screaming and then shoving sliced cheese into your mouth to end the screaming, yeah. We had like a backup food supply closet, and so when you would have to go to there to get stuff for the concession stand, that's where you would do the thing. We didn't have we didn't have a freezer like that, so you just had to like, oh yeah, we're out of cups, I need to go get some cups. We were not out of cups. <laughs> All right, and then I guess, Valerie, do you want to do out of scrambled egg cartons? So this is an issue. I think this is our first and only issue, in fact, so this is interesting. The cooks are happy to crack eggs and scramble them, but that just won't do for the bottom line. A manager must head to the closet, the closest other unit, to restock fake eggs. Okay. <laughs> I love that we've got so many things here that we'll be able to dig into. So now I'm going back to how we do things. So... Because we did a quick nettle, we're going to basically go through all of the kind of generation changes. So the first thing to figure out is how much time is a generation moving forward? Is it like a school year? Is it a season? Is it a month? I feel like school year makes sense just because that's the biggest source of staff turnover in a place like this. Right. Just I like totally agree, that yeah. flip where all your seniors graduate and leave town. Where everyone takes turns addressing the active index cards on the table. On your turn, choose a note card and think about how it has changed. And the note cards are for each of these faction, location, so on and so forth. Consult the list on the next page. So that would be page 12 for different card types. Ignore any cards that have already been marked complete. We don't have that. You can address multiple cards in one turn if it makes sense. And we're just, I'm going to probably move these cards around so that we know which ones we've done, we've addressed for this generation. Because we're starting with a generation change, we won't take a break there. But I think when we do a next generation change, we'll want to take a break depending on how the timing works. So page 12 has the breakdown of what we do for each of these um, types of kind of elements of play. So we have several factions. I think it probably makes sense to start with like issue, events, and projects. Does that sound good to y'all? Yes. Uh, okay. So does anybody have an idea of what we think may have happened with our issue about scrambled egg cartons, regional management being here, or the project to get the kind of, I think it's day, to make day shift bust their own tables? I have a regional management one. <laughs> All right. Go for it, please. In the kitchen, there are massive wire racks stocked with the giant industrial-sized cans that we need to run this restaurant. Five-pound tons of tomatoes, etc., etc. Huge drums of mayonnaise. Regional management feels that under these racks, in that two-inch gap, an unforgivable amount of dust, dirt, and general grime has been allowed to pile up. If the health code hood inspector comes through here, he's got to have all our asses. Guess what? You get to spend today pulling these racks away from the wall to clean under them. Oh, gross. 
Well, so, yes, this is based on a true story. <laughs> so do you think, is this happening during day shift, night shift? Who is stuck with this work? I think this is a night shift job because we don't want the customers to realize what's going on. Sure. Okay. How do you think this ends up? With a workers' comp claim. Oh. When you have a bunch of noodle-armed teenagers trying to move giant racks of stuff, many of whom who have not like really developed that sense of how many cans you have to take off a rack before you can move it. Definitely, I think like Tim the dishwasher got brained by a falling can of beans, and now Tobias from front of house. One of the few new kids to have his own car is taking hang it sorry, Tim, did I say Tim? Is taking Tim to the emergency room because God knows we're not going to call an ambulance. I have made some notes about that with regards to the regional management uh, situation. It's gonna be an interesting generational thing. How do the rules change because of this event resolution? Right. So do we want to, we could go to night shift next since they were involved, but Valerie, what, uh, what grabs your attention? So are we supposed to roll dice and move? And that's not, that's not yet, right? That's next round. Yeah. yeah because we're starting, because we're using one of the uh, quick nettle scenarios, we we're doing the end of generation thing yeah. with what we were given. I'm actually looking at project bus your own tables. Sure. Uh, so reminder is it's the, the the dish people in the night shift don't want to have to bust the tables and want new protocols in place for front of house to bring dishes to the back of house and stack them. I think here's what happened. One of the managers decided to do essentially a pilot program in which this exact thing was done. The front of house people then were spending so much time bussing tables that it ended up with longer lines in front of house of people waiting to be seated because there was no one there. So this led to angry customers. Another manager thought, okay, we'll try to sort of split the difference and we're going to put in places for people to bust their own tables. This did not work either because it was too big of a change. <laughs> Yori's like, oh, I've been here. Nope, it's terrible. So uh, in, they installed garbage cans with bins for people to take out their own trash, put their dishes in the bins. And some people are very conscientious about it. Many people simply don't do it, which means that the tables, which are now no one's responsibility, get bust by nobody. And, uh, and Let's not forget the fuckers who fully throw away the non-disposable dishware. Absolutely. And so the cost of replacing missing dishware and silverware has gone up. And everyone is big mad about this, basically. So the resolution is it goes back to how it was before, but everyone's really angry. Everyone loses. At least they replaced the dishware. When this happened where I worked... I had to physically dig through the trash bins. I feel like retrieving that's actually dishware. the more reason. Yeah, you know what? We're going to go with that because corporate's not going to replace this stuff. The manager is going to assign somebody to do this <laughs> task, and it's probably the most junior member. I will say one person is told to do this and quits. They're done. They're like, no, I refuse. So is this project com completed 
abandoned or ongoing? I'm going to say it's abandoned because it goes back to status quo. Mm -hmm. Um, It was essentially an attempt was made and it failed. And so the managers coalesced in one of their Sunday brunch meetings and said, suck it up, buttercup. This is how it's going to be. You wash them, so you pick them up. And the regional management, does the regional manager leave after this uh, kind of cleaning fiasco? I feel like the regional manager was never involved in the cleaning fiasco because that was too like day to day. And so if nothing, oh, you know what? No, I have a better one. Here's what happened. The regional manager wandered in one day when everyone was doing the it's not my responsibility and lots of tables were dirty and he started bussing tables Mm. because he's the kind of guy that's like, I can do the thing, but he's really cosplaying as a server or whatever because he has he has actually never worked as a line cook. He has never bus tables. He has never done any of the things, but he wants to pretend. But like he got his MBA. He got his MBA. Exactly. That's why he's <laughs> in charge of things. But he wants to show that he's one of the people. Okay. And so he can do this too. But then of course, a manager saw this happening, intervened, took over, and then heads rolled. So, oh, we're exercising a lot of personal demons this right? Halloween. <laughs> I think I want to take a look at the out of scrambled egg cartons issue. And I think because we're jumping forward in time, I'm considering talking about this kind of as a, of like a recurring issue, right? The rate of consumption of the kind of low quality prepackaged food, food type material deliveries that our restaurant receives don't line up well with what we end up using. And so I think rather than it's just being about scrambled egg cartons, maybe this issue persists as inconsistent inventory. And so that, you know, in any given time, we may or may not have some of the things that otherwise we would want to. I do really like the idea that for the egg cartons thing, we could have simply bought real eggs but management like refuses because of the bottom line, right? And so the the cooks are having a worse time. The servers are having a worse time because we can, you know because they because we can't you know actually sell the thing that is on the menu, and that ends up causing problems that then get back to management. And so the insistence on saving money makes everybody's life worse and probably costs this this diner money because. That's how bad management works. There becomes a social media blitz, like with McDonald's and the shakes, how they can never get a shake at McDonald's. And they joke about how you can never get eggs at this this restaurant. For sure. So I'm going to put inconsistent inventory over here as something that will persist. Yori, where would you like to go next? Is it time to roll the dice? Uh, So we're going to go through all of the, like, faction, character, all of these things that were set up. Um, <laughs> so for a a character we I'm just, going to the dumpsters. Sure. So for a location, describe how the location changes with time and reflect those changes on the note card. Well, you can say that the location has changed because a family of raccoons has now moved in under one of those dumpsters. And boy howdy, they are having a good time. This place is raccoon heaven. Okay. 
truly a paradise of discarded waffle ends and burnt bacon. Sure, that does seem like a place where you'd want to move in as a as a family of raccoons. Management mm-hmm. puts up don't feed the raccoons signs, right. which are ignored. The, yes. The raccoons are growing fat and happy. They are prospering. They are thriving. I expect that the staff probably has named the raccoons. Oh, yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, I look forward to coming back to this. Valerie, what do you think? Where do you want to go? Sorry, I'm still laughing about raccoons. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let me see. Um, let's go with Night Shift. Okay. So for a faction, describe how the faction changes with the next generation. Does it still exist in its current form, or do younger voices shape it into something different? Reflect those changes on the note card, or replace the note card entirely if need be. The night shift um, has definitely grown irritated with the mess that the day shift sometimes leaves. And I think that the fact that it's a rowdier, younger, and with less tenure crowd, there's almost always problematic stuff happening during the night shift. People messing up orders, people forgetting how to clean things properly, people People coming in high. People coming in high. I feel like the night shift, let's lean into let's lean into Waffle House. Okay. So the night shift, unfortunately does attract a surlier crowd of people who have been out partying. And so the night shift has garnered a reputation for a place where fights are likely to break out. And consequently, there is always a new video going up on social media of the latest fight to break out. It has become essentially a frat boy sport to show up drunk to this place and try to start stuff. Consequently, (laughs) some of the night shift folks have banded together to take self-defense classes, and uh, some of them have simply quit, because especially for the younger people, let's say one in particular was injured in an altercation, and the parents threatened to sue because there's no security, and, you know, there's no rules in place, then everything just kind of goes to crap. All right. So we know that Night Shift is having to toughen up slash replace employees that are just leaving. Okay. And they are going to stick around. We know that the dumpsters are here. So I'm going to look at the Sunday brunch rush and a, let's see, I guess seasons are not listed here in this section. So I I think that Sunday Brunch Rush is probably still a thing, right? So I think maybe this- Sunday Brunch Rush is damn eternal. I think this just becomes a issue that Sunday Brunch Rush is always like a flashpoint. Whatever existing problems are are plaguing the restaurant and the staff get magnified in the Brunch Rush because- I imagine we're probably even getting some of the like frat boy brawler activity in that brunch rush where the kind of church going community is butting up against or kind of being butt up against by this other group where like the kind of late, late night Denny's vibe flows into the like Perkins church vibe and it's bad for everybody. 
I think that the tenor of the Sunday brunch rush is also indicative of what's going on in the wider community outside the restaurant at any given sure. point. Like yeah. something weird happens in a sermon that week, you're going to find out. <laughs> okay. So we've got four items left. Yuri, which one do you want to go to? So we've got two factions, a character, and a location. Walk-in freezer. All right. So what happens and changes with the walk-in freezer? Management puts a camera in there. Oh, no! And now day shift, night shift, and front of house are united in trying to figure out how many ways they can plausibly destroy ruin shut off that camera as often as possible Stacking and blame it on front of various it, like... malfunctions yes <laughs> oops we stacked the soups in front of it oops Get, i guess the cold in here must have affected the wires somehow so i feel like it'd be pretty likely that being the person that most recently screwed up the camera is like a big part of social cachet among the staff. Yes, absolutely. There are competitions. It's like the internal equivalent of those weird college traditions where someone has to like steal a certain statue. Right. And while you're the possessor of the statue, you're the most important person in the world. Yeah. And of course, it can't be like officially up anywhere because it's undermining management. But everybody knows. There isn't a scoreboard, but we all know. Um, Valerie, front of house management or JD? So I feel like because the Sunday brunch rush has started to be genuinely overwhelming, management has had to move their meetings to another less hectic time. Hmm. And so... In theory, the less hectic time would have been after the brunch rush, and that's basically when they were doing the thing. But because of, you know, football season happens and uh, all, all of these people who have slept off their hangovers and are now coming in, you know, for cheap eggs that they don't have, there there is essentially the brunch rush never ends. Or it never ends enough for the managers to step back and have a meeting. So now the managers meet on Tuesday nights which is the sort of lowest point of stuff happening. It's about, basically about, uh, let's see, maybe four o'clock. Actually, so it's not night, but say four o'clock on a Tuesday. Every manager that doesn't normally work at four o'clock on a Tuesday hates this because they have to make a special trip out to do this one hour meeting. And so they are now campaigning to meet virtually. It's 2008, so I'm like, I'm trying to remember the tech level of this. Potentially phone call show. They're trying yeah. to Skype. Well, yeah, let's say, do we have Skype? Skype has okay. very bad, grainy video in okay. 2008. So they're they're trying to switch to Skype meetings. Is this like a younger manager's suggestion? This is a younger manager's suggestion, and one who has to take the bus to get there, and mm. is like, this is not just, you know, an hour of, of getting to this place, but is also public transit, which is not super reliable. It was supposed to be my goddamn day off. It was supposed to be my you day off. You are not paying yeah. me for these meetings. Uh, and so there is a strong push to move to Skype meetings. 
which would still be wage theft, but like theft of less wage. <laughs> okay. So I actually missed day shift. So we have front of house JD and day shift. I'm going to look at front of house. And I think the thing that changes in front of house is that the uh, that management starts more actively recruiting and they are going out of their way to try to hire like teenagers who have like more status in the local church communities or the theater kids because they're trying to basically improve service which is basically just better acting skills and more clout because if the server is like the preacher's kid you're going to give them a little bit more leeway not when they screw up but when things go wrong you're just like oh well i'm not going to chew out the pastor's kid um, and so i think the front of house is uh like gains prestige and let's see is like focused on customer experience so that's what they look like yori we have jd and day shift left to resolve for this section june of senior year rolls around and management is psyched because they're sure that jd is not going to be their problem anymore like he is a bright crafty kid he is going to go away to college unfortunately JD is the kind of bright, crafty kid who's fiscally savvy. That's why he went to front of house. He wanted those tips. And because he is a bright kid who is fiscally savvy, JD is not quitting to go to college and move away. He is keeping his job and staying in town and doing his first two years at community college to save money. He'll very transfer smart. to a state school later. Management is very dismayed because they have no real pretext to fire this kid without causing absolute mutiny throughout the restaurant. And also, he has curried the favor of enough grannies that they're genuinely worried about the impact firing him could have on the customer base. Okay. So I've added a note. Community college and beloved by local grannies to JD's card. Okay. Valerie. What's up with Day Shift as we wrap up this generational move? So as previously noted, Day Shift and the cooks sometimes leave a mess because they can. Basically, they have sort of organized to collectively decide that when it is time to go, they must clock out. And this is partly because of management getting really, really their butts about being clocked out on time um, because you don't want to have to pay overtime so everybody's got to take their breaks on time and everybody's got to clock out on time this is very important and it's been stressed so many times that at this point they're just like fine forget it as soon as the the clock takes over to three or whatever we're out of here done gone bye everybody and um, this has definitely caused a lot of hurt feelings and in retaliation what has been happening is the night shift hasn't been cleaning stuff up. So when the day shift gets there in the morning, the first thing they have to do is clean up the mess the night shift left. And so this has in increased in intensity, just a terrifying cold war of not finishing stuff until finally an extremely irritated management intervenes 
and says that whoever does not get their stuff cleaned up is going to get written up. Four write-ups, you get fired. And this happened, basically, a manager did go in after day shift happened, and this was a night shift manager, walks into this filthy mess that day shift left, and then just writes everybody up, basically. And ban hammers just everyone will get written up if you don't do it and the morning shift manager got that note and said okay i'm doing it too same thing happened and so now things have in fact improved slightly in that cleaning department because people don't want to get written up the ones who don't care get written up and leave but just because they're doing the cleaning doesn't mean they do a great job right they're still just kind of doing the bare minimum So I've added a bit to management, giving write-ups for messes. Okay. So that is, so we've gone through all of these facets. And the next step would be to kind of begin the new generational round. But because we are about 40-something minutes in, I think this is probably a good place for us to take a break. And a break for us means a break for you. So if you're watching or listening then I would encourage you to take some steps to take care of yourself. Use the restroom, stretch, move around, grab a beverage, check in with people, anything like that. We will be back very soon with more of our beleaguered bad ingredients diner with uh, just just like a, a really large side of uh, collective catharsis for the three of us and our retail and food service backgrounds in various times of our lives. So we'll be back with that in just a few minutes, if you're watching, uh, in the next episode, if you're listening. Thanks. The theme music for Speculate is Yellow Wood by Greg's band, The Road. Find out more at www.thebandtheroad.com. Hi, everyone. If you've enjoyed what we've been doing here on Speculate and you've been thinking to yourself, where can I get more role-playing in my life? Can I recommend arvaneleron.com, A-R-V-A-N-E-L-E-R-O-N.com, where you can check out the Curse of Strahd podcast. This, set in the world of Ravenloft, is a Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition campaign, which has been running for a long time with a similar group of players, and which has been both a lot of fun and I think you will find enjoyable. If you like it, please let us know both there and over here. You can subscribe to it on iTunes, Google Play Podcasts, and many other fine podcast providers. Thanks, and we'll see you over there.